0: ladies I'm really excited today because I have one of my uh, new girlfriends here on the line with us and I am uh, I'm, I'm really happy to talk to her because her story is so interesting you know we all are women with a vision and we're creating these amazing businesses um, but when you think about when you went to school and you got you know got the, the good grades and you became you know whatever it is you got your degree in you, you would think, okay, the top of the ladder of that would be like a physician, right? You would think of a doctor, lawyer lawyer, something like that. Like that's the pinnacle of, uh, of being very smart. And, you know, some of us wish, I mean, I wish I was that smart, right? <laughs> my, <are>. my, <laughs> my, my girlfriend here, she's so amazing because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look down at my, my notes because I want to make sure you guys really get this. So she uh, is a board certified emergency med- uh, med- medicine physician with over 23 years in practice and she's treated thousands of patients throughout her career she's a recognized speaker she's now a coach and she's also a doctor with an mba so like totally high achiever right uh she's she's you know an expert in and in her field as well as compassionate approachable down to earth sister girlfriend kind of girl Um, But I'm really excited to talk to her because, you know, with that background, now she's really transitioning into transformational coaching, which I find fascinating. So Dr. Gigi, how are you?
1: I'm always happy to catch up with you. I just love your energy. I love what you're creating. And, you know, to to do business as a woman and from the feminine side is just so refreshing. It's a whole different ballgame than the oh. old strategic masculine thing. So I'm really happy to be here.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm happy to have you here. Um, and I like that you said in the, in the feminine, because, you know, I know as a surgeon, you are definitely dealing with in, the, in a very male dominated world, right? Totally. Yeah. 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 So it's, a,
1: it's been a journey. That's for sure.
0: Very, very cool. Okay. So I have a couple questions for you. I do want to get your background. Just kind of tell me about, you know, how you got into medicine, where you're from, Yeah. yeah.
1: So I was born in Egypt um, and I came over when I was five years old, didn't speak a lick of English, which was an interesting thing. And um, I think that actually might've been the start of that drive towards perfectionism, to be honest. Um, And then when I was 11, I was in Egypt and I got sick and I went to see a doctor there. And for the first time in two weeks, when he put his hand on my stomach, the pain went away. And I was just like, what is that? I want to be that. And so, you know, from the age of 11, I was like, I'm going to be a doctor. That's it. You know, that, if that's what a healer is in the United States, that's what I'm going to be. Um, and so then, you know, through my journey, I was like, let's go. I'm focused. I want to get there. And so I went on to uh, did my undergrad at Cornell, and I did it in three years with two majors and a minor and working 20 hours a week. And yet, there was always this, like, not good enough, because obviously, if I could do it, anybody could do it. I mean, even when I went on to my residency in emergency medicine, which was a very young field, most people were like, ER, what's that? You know, this was before George Clooney made it famous. Um, People were like, and I got into one of the top programs in the country. And the whole time I was there, I kept thinking, they're going to figure out any day now, I don't belong here, I'm not good enough, I'm an imposter. And so, you know, this, The sort of theme in my life has always been there. Now, fast forward 10 years into my practice, I'm, you know, a medical director at one place. I'm doing associate director at another place. I'm doing everything I can. But underneath, I felt like I was doggy paddling, trying to stay afloat. Now, on the surface, I was trying to be one of the guys. I was trying to prove that I deserve it. I, you know, I I deserve to be here. But deep down inside was this piece of me that was like, I'm not really good enough. I'm not really worthy. I'm not, you know, there was always that. I have to work harder. I have to suppress my femininity. Can't be a woman in a man's world. And um, all of that came crashing down. About 10 years into practice, I became addicted to Ambien, which is a sleeping pill. Now, talk about fucking up the perfection. Excuse my language. I I picked an addiction that didn't even exist yet. Seriously? Like, that addiction doesn't run in my family. I was like, how on earth do you say addict in Arabic to your grandmother who doesn't speak English? I'm like, oh my Lord. Like this was not on my career path. right? And yet it was this, it was the best gift I've ever been given because before the addiction, I had the million dollar house. I had the lake house. I had the cars. I had the, you name it. I had everything on paper and I was miserable. It was running me. It was driving me. You know, if I, had a great day in the ER with patients, I felt happy. If I had an awful day, if someone didn't like what I did, I was unhappy. I had no internal compass whatsoever. And so uh, during the addiction, I actually surrendered my medical license, which people were like, what? Like, why? Why would you voluntarily do that? And I was just like, you know, I can't. I took an oath. For me, being a doctor wasn't about the money or the degree. Or the, it, It's about serving people. So um, it was... What I didn't know was that during that time, I had to wait two years to get my license back. And I thought, wait, what? So there went the houses, there went the cars, you know, bankruptcy, foreclosure, like all the things that I put my self-esteem and worth and value on, poof. And I became a barista at Starbucks just to make sure I got out of the house every day. I went back and got my master's in business in case I wouldn't be allowed to be a doctor again and the gift of that time really was i got to come face to face with who am i what's driving me you know all of these the the society i had everything checked off on the list that society said should make me happy and i wasn't and it all went back to this unworthiness this not good enoughness this i'm a woman i'm a mistake i should have been born a man you know, being a woman in a Middle Eastern culture where your opinion comes secondary, you know, literally remembering my dad saying at one point, "Well, you're a woman; your opinion doesn't matter." And five minutes later, going, "My elbow hurts." You're a doctor. What do you think? Which totally says that my value, my worth, is in the white coat. And uh, and so, you know, being a barista at Starbucks, it was awesome. I realized that everything I really need is in my heart, my head, and my hands. Um, I went from you know my own million dollar home to a rehab facility where I'm sharing a single bedroom with four other women and no computers, no cell phones. And it's like, okay, you are going to face yourself. And so, you know, that has uh, 11 and a half years ago now, by the grace of God, went back, got my medical license. And if anything, it really, it reaffirmed for me that I'm doing what I love. And you know, granted, you know, then I went through a five-year probation and drug testing and monitoring and charts. And I'm like, and people are like, wait, isn't that like, don't you get frustrated? And I said, why? You know, if I have, if there's a doctor who had an addiction and they were going to treat my family, I want to make sure they go through all of that. Why, why would I have more pride than I expect from anyone else? And so, you know, this last 11 years has been this journey of transformation, doing my own deep work. And I'm just so, i realized that I want to be a healer, and what I've learned is when I show up in that place of presence and alignment and coaching, my words are just as healing as any prescription I can write. When I see a patient in their wholeness and their entirety, and I say to them, great, back pain, go see a chiropractor, go see an acupuncturist, here's some prescriptions, and here's a counselor I want you to talk to about the anger that's causing your back pain. And they just kind of look at me like, Mm -hmm. and so, yeah, I'm, I'm dedicated to making sure no other woman ever puts aside her femininity because what I've realized after the addiction is being a woman is actually the biggest gift Mm -hmm. I, I give as a doctor, you know, the things I hid are actually my power.
0: Yes. You know what? You are such a gift. I'm telling you, And I'm so grateful that you are, you know, just so transparent. And, uh, so just because people really need to hear this. I mean, I think a lot of us go through these, these parts, these times in our life. I've gone through these parts in my life where it's just really low. It doesn't seem like, um, anything is going well and you just, you can't figure out why you're going through this, but now on the other side. You know, it's just an incredible story. It really is an incredible story and able to heal because you are a healer. That's who you are because you had, were are meant to heal in a very big way. You had to go through that. You literally had to so that you can be relatable. Yeah. Um, three, it's, all, it's all, yeah, it's all part of it. Oh man, girl, I have goosebumps right now. Okay. Three things I wrote down really quickly. Um, uh, the first one is, uh, imposter syndrome. Mm, big one. So isn't that interesting that we all go through that? Like, who am I? What is that? So when did you realize, or is that something you're still working on? When did you realize that is what it was? And you know, how are you working on that now? How did you, how are you able to work on it? So,
1: and, and I love that you asked that because this is literally what I do in-person workshops on is silencing that inner critic. It's like this price of perfectionism. When did I realize it? I think it was a gradual thing. Uh, you know, it started with the question of how did I sabotage myself so spectacularly? Like, what is that part of me? And so, you know, it, it took years probably to figure out that it was an, I'm not good enough or I'm unworthy. And then to unravel all of that, um, the biggest thing, I think the gift was in the addiction. I realized that perfectionism is a mask and it's an addiction. I was like, uh, okay, what is this thing that if I can just answer one more email, if I can just stay up and do one more thing, if I can. So, and then before I became addicted to the ambient, I was addicted to work. I was the best workaholic you would ever. And these are socially accepted. And so really with the addiction, it opened up my eyes because it was like, okay, this is a behavior and you know we're so much better about addiction now which is like you can be addicted to gambling what like that's an activity how are you addicted to an activity well perfectionism and being workaholic it's it's an addiction to an activity but when someone's addicted it's because they're avoiding something there's a pain there's a problem there's something we're trying to stay busy or do because the activity gives us a feeling and i realized that for me the perfectionism was it gave me a relief. It gave me a few hours every time I would be validated, whether it was a patient or a degree or a meeting, that it was giving me the validation would give me relief for a few hours or days from that pain of not enough. Yeah. And so that I think was the turning point of like, okay, like what's what's underneath this behavior? Yeah,
0: yeah. What's underneath it? That's really good. And you said another thing, just related to that, is you at some point. You're gonna to have to face yourself at Everywhere some point. I there I was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but didn't you have the courage to face yourself? That's the whole other thing. And because and and, and, you could have continued with the masking, with the addiction, you could have continued to just not face it. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point
1: because there came a time you know, the Ambien back then, they didn't know, but literally coming off of it, I went three days without sleep, hallucinating, paranoid. And on day three, I had a seizure. And I knew at that point, I was like, I would rather die than live the way I had been living. Like this emptiness, this pretend, this pain in my soul, this thing that I would take vacations to try to cover up or buy things to try to, it wasn't working. And I was like, that's it. I'm done. So literally it came down to, I would rather die than live basically a life of quiet desperation anymore. And you know, I took an oath never again to ignore my soul. And so this is what set me on this path of yeah. uh, so much more to give. And I, I want to teach doctors to, to get clear on why, like what's really driving you to be a doctor and are you going to get it from this job or not? And then to be come from that place and be clear, you're not going to be expecting your patients to fulfill you or your spouse to fulfill you. You know, to be happy from the inside out, it's an inside job. And to really help them, never when, like I get so passionate about this. I'm like 50 years from now when I see a woman doctor who's in her power, who hugs her patients, who still has the healing touch, who shows up, has a balanced life and feels happy and knows who she is, regardless of what's happening in her world at that day. And her patient goes home feeling seen and heard. I will know that I have lived. Yeah, this is my legacy. I'm here to to change healthcare from the inside out by changing how we show up as okay.
0: we Let me ask you: How do you define? How do you define success now? Then,
1: oh, yeah. Uh, this is this is. So success for me now is, it always comes back. I think alignment is the key word for me. Like, because when I know who I am so deeply, like nothing phases me. I mean, I'm still human and yeah, things will piss me off. Rah, 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 you know, I'll have a bad day, the hormones. But at the end of the day, success for me now is waking up knowing that I'm living my life on purpose. And here's the thing, like my life after the addiction looks a lot like it did before. I mean, I'm still a freaking fantastic doctor. I was before. Mm -hmm. But the intention and what drives it is very different. Before the addiction, I was an amazing doctor from a place of need and please approve of me and if I can just see more patients and all of that. And now I'm still an amazing doctor, but it comes from I'm here to help. And if you like me or don't like me, it doesn't matter. I'm here to be all of me. And so success is doing what you love. And at the end of the day, feeling like I did everything I could. That's it.
0: I love it. I love it. Um, so now you're still working as a doctor, but you're also coaching on, on the side. Like you're, that's your side hustle right now. Right. Yeah, actually it's, it's become my primary hustle.
1: It's so, become your, oh, good. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, during my coaching apprenticeship and my training, I coached 94 different people. You know, I took people through my programs. Um, so I'm only doing the doctoring part time, mainly because my my goal right now is to have this curriculum for medical students instituted in the first medical school by the fall of this year.
0: Oh, good. Because
1: I want to touch lives. I want to help the doctors at the very beginning of their journey while they're still you know in their beautiful innocent hearts because we go into it I think we talked about this before we want to we want to work ourselves out of a job like the doctors with heart I'm okay if you never need me again I think that would be like perfect um so yeah I want to catch them early on before they lose that that open-heartedness that brought them into it
0: very good um and what is your favorite aspect of being an entrepreneur an entrepreneur now that you're doing this more full-time
1: you know I think being an entrepreneur is like signing up for the PhD course <laughs> in life True. <laughs> I mean, it, it takes mental fortitude and and it keeps me true to my purpose because when I you know set up a workshop and it looks like there's only going to be one person there it really says to me are you are you really dedicated I'm like yeah I am so even if one, only one person showed up at a workshop. Uh, I think the very first one I put on, there were only three people. But one of those people signed on and became a a one-on-one coaching client because my goal was to serve so deeply. And so being an entrepreneur, I think it's a clarifying filter. And it says, you know, are you really doing what you're doing out of passion? Because if you're doing it for money, you're going to give up. If you're doing it for the ego, you're going to give up. If you're doing it, and maybe you don't give up, and you make it successful, but five, six years down the road, you'll burn out. Because you're not doing it from the right place, and so for me, being an entrepreneur, I think my favorite part of it is growing. Every time I go through something, I'm growing, and once again, it's like, okay, you know, doctor, heal myself, you know. And, and as a coach, it's like, are you living your walk? And I get to walk my walk, walk my talk every day. Am every I going to be centered? Am I going to know who
0: I am? Am I going to show up in my full power?
1: Yeah, all of me.
0: Very. Uh, yeah. You know, now what key activities do you do to grow? Now you're talking about getting people to come to your events. Mm-hmm. Do you have some key activities that you do to market your business? Uh,
1: most of it's been word of mouth. Um, you know, I've been, I feel really blessed to to do what I do. And, you know, I, I coached one young man who was in his twenties with anxiety and just from one session I don't do one off sessions anymore, but you know, he, went on with such a different person that from that four more people were like, I have anxiety. I, what, whatever you did for him, I want that. So, you know, I basically, other than networking, I, and I think this is the key to, to what I do as a coach. It's like when you clarify who you really are, when you're living in alignment with who you are, who you be speaks so loudly in the world that people see you. And I think that's also the key for us as women to stay in our feminine, because we think it's all about doing. If I wear the right clothes, if I put the makeup, if I have my hair done, if I'm the, and it's like, Whoa, really? It's not, I mean, okay. To a certain degree it is, but Way more than that. when you're in your power as a woman and you live your passion, every word out of your mouth is, it's a testimonial. Like you, you know, I think, uh, an acquaintance of mine said once she's she's also a coach and i love what she said people would sign up for her program and they're like hey do you have a sales page and she would say to them i am the sales I page that, yeah right and it was like she's absolutely right you know and i think the old masculine way of on and off mm-hmm. i'm on when i'm at work i'm on when i'm at the business meeting i'm on when i'm strategizing and i'm off when i'm at home or on the golf course that's not an alignment for with who we are as women and also when we're in alignment with ourselves, I am the same person. And I think that sends out a message of integrity and alignment that you're the same person I met at the networking event. You're the same person I chat with about, you know, my dating life. You're the same person. And so that alignment is also a way of showing integrity and we don't have to be on or off. What if we lived the life that's on all the time,
0: all the time, all the time. What, uh, what personal development – because you seem like you've done a lot of personal development. What personal development books or – I'd say yeah. books. What personal development books would you recommend?
1: Um, so really it depends on what you're looking for. Um, I would say a couple of big ones that really spoke to me. Uh, one was the Go-Giver, which I had not heard of. And, um, you know, actually my dating coach told me about that one. And when I read it, it's a very simple book. I think it's only like 60 pages. But the ideas in it just like, it was like, wow. It's instead of being a go getter, which is what our society mm-hmm. teaches us to do, be a go giver. How can you support? How can you give? How can you do? And that bore itself out when I went to a feminine networking event where we sat around at tables. Each woman would answer questions. And we're like, oh, yeah, I know this person. Let me help you. And it was like, I came out of a two day networking event with women excited and refreshed and was like, uh, this would not happen in the old strategic master. Right. The go giver was a a huge one. Um, the energy of money by Maria Nemeth, uh, because you know, being an entrepreneur, being a coach, there's a lot of that money piece. And for me, even though I'm a doctor and I've made great money and a masters in business and all that doing it as a coach, it's like, okay, let's, let's separate, you know, money is just energy and you still need to go through separating your value as a coach or as a person has nothing to do with the money. So energy and money. And then the final one, which, you know, I really recommend that you have a coach or someone to support you when you read it is called homecoming by John Bradshaw. So that book really just deconstructed me. And it's, it's about, I think it's called reclaiming the inner child is the subtitle. Okay. Uh, And just, Because a lot of us driven super women think, oh, it's normal, this is just what it is. This book really shifted my perspective because, just even if you just read the first chapter, I think they have quizzes and they go answer the questions and how many of these behaviors do you exhibit as an adult? And for each checklist, if you have more than six, then you probably had either emotional neglect, abuse, something in this certain age of childhood. And I was like, oh my God, I think there were only two two ages where I didn't exhibit all these behaviors. And it was really fascinating to see that some of the behaviors that we think of as successful and achieving in adulthood actually come from these areas of lack in our
0: childhood. Yeah. So I would say those three are the biggest ones that just pop up. Those are good. I just wrote those down because... You know, I'm, I have my little list of, of of ones that I've been getting from all these amazing interviews, and those sound really good. I want to read the Go Giver like right away. <laughs> that sounds like a perfect Let's book work. for me. Yeah, I love that. Um, and and also, what book? What would you call your book? That your the title of your your own personal journey book? Ooh, my personal journey. Well, you know, it's interesting because
1: what comes to mind is the question you're afraid to ask. Mm. And, and it comes in multiple ways for me because as a, as a physician, I think the key to what makes me different and special with my patients is that I answer the question that they're actually afraid to ask. So they'll be asking about the blood sugar, about this, and what they really want to know is, am I dying or is it a heart attack? So to train, so that would be part of it. But then on my own personal journey, the question I'm afraid to ask, or I was afraid to ask is, am I good enough? Is there room for me at the table? Will you still love me if I'm not mm-hmm. constantly taking care of you? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, there's two sides to that point. I would say the question you're really afraid to ask.
0: Yeah. Oh, man. Dr. Gigi, girl, I can sit here and talk to you all day. I love, I love your story. I relate to your story. I am your story. I mean, I just... We are definitely sisters, Dan. <laughs> we are definitely <laughs> sisters. Oh, my God. I'm so grateful to have you here. Yeah. And um, so tell us where we can find out a little bit more about your coaching, yeah. you know, your yeah. social media, anything you want to put mm-hmm. in this
1: point. Yeah. So uh, my website is drggsamed.com. It's D-R-G-I-G-I. S like Sam, A, M like Mary, E, D like David, com, And actually, I've put together a three-part video series on silencing the inner critic and the high price of perfectionism that will help give some tools. So if you ladies head over there and opt in, um, that'll be ready. Uh, I'm actually just finishing it up, so should be ready in a couple of days here. Um, yeah, that's, and really my passion is high-powered women. like. We are we are here to play such a big game and we dim our light and we hide. And it's because it's we're so afraid already that we're not good enough or we don't belong or, you know, to be criticized at the level we're playing. And I'm just like, take the roof off. right? Let's take the roof off. So, yeah, I'm really excited to do what I do. I'm really blessed to – I just – I love watching women bloom and realize – you know, I, when I help them uncover that core pattern, they're like, oh my God, I didn't know that this is why I do what I do. And oh my God, like how you do anything is how you do everything. everything. every part of their life. It's amazing to see them blossom.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And uh, you guys definitely go out and check out Dr. Gigi Samed and her website, her three-part series. And uh, thank you so much for coming to this, this uh, interview this podcast if you want more information about women with vision please check us out on women with with vision international.com and we will talk to you later thanks Gigi I'll talk to you later bye Tim bye ladies